Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel 6 Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games from Australia and around the world. My name's Fiona and joining me tonight is my co-host Mitch. Hey, thanks for joining me. Hello. And it's good to be back on an episode with another presenter. <laughs> it has been a little while, hasn't it? And our guest tonight is Ezra Artman, director of Bad Goat Studios. Thanks for joining us tonight, Ezra. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we'll be talking to Ezra about his new game, Henry Moss and the Wormhole Conspiracy, a point-and-click puzzle adventure game. So, all right, let's get into it. Hey there, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. So our guest this evening is Ezra Artman, who is the director at Bad Goat Studios, but the studio behind Henry Moss and the Wormhole Conspiracy. Now, just for people who may not know Ezra, could you tell us what Henry Moss and the Wormhole Conspiracy is? Henry Moss is a 2D coming-of-age adventure game um, that is about a space boy, Henry, and his adventures through space with his mum, Seren, and they journey to defeat cosmic evil and save the family business. So what was the main inspiration behind uh, making this game? The main inspiration? Um, well, the game it was always intended to be a, a point-and-click adventure and it was heavily influenced by those sort of classic graphic adventures in the 90s, LucasArts games, the Sierra games that we all love. Um, but so, th- yeah, that was, I guess, a, a big inspiration. Um and we, of course, wanted to bring a modern sort of flavor and twist and integrate some newer newer features and, and elements to the game as well. So what drew you and the team to deciding to make the, it a point-and-click adventure game as opposed to another style? It's something that I've always sort of personally been um, attached to. I, I grew up with these games Um I'm fond of them. I know that there are others that are the same and, and you know, they they love the genre. And, um, I mean, there are some pros, there are some cons to the genre itself. Um, but just focusing on some of the pros, like just the accessibility, I think, to this style of game is is a big plus. And, I mean, it's all about the story. It's all about the characters and that's, where, where it sort of, you know, that was the main driver for for the game um, and just to make it as accessible as possible to a family audience was sort of key and, and so it sort of fit well, this genre fit well with the story that we were trying to tell. You've written a pretty family-oriented story set in the science fiction universe. We don't actually see a lot of 
family a company characters in video games at all. Um, why, why did you feel important to tell this kind of story? Well, I just, I think for that very reason that we don't see it very often um, and it's something that um, I think should be, should be shown more. <laughs> um, you know, in a lot of these, especially family games, um, there's, there are absent parents um, and, you know, I'm sure there are various reasons for that, that in every Disney film that there are no parents around, um, especially a coming-of-age story, which most of them tend to be. But I think there is a space for, for, for parents to, to be a part of that coming-of-age journey um, for that teen, you know, for that adolescent character. Um, and in particular, um, with this game, you know, it's it's not a traditional family. It's, I guess, for the sake of a better word, a modern family as well. So, and that is certainly lacking representation in. So you're saying that the game is more for a family audience. Was there a specific age that a range that you had in mind while creating the game? That's a good question. Uh, that we sort of had two two audiences in mind when making the game. One was people who grew up with these sorts of games and, you know, and love the genre, like I said before, and they're typically older, um, um, an older audience. And and the interesting thing that we found, especially when we exhibited at PAX and saw you, saw you last time, Mitch, um, was that we saw a lot of people who love point and click games and, and love the genre. And um, a lot of them were, they came along with their kids, um, the sort of, yeah, sort of young kids, I don't know, eight to 12 year olds. I don't know. It was obviously varied. Um, and they really enjoyed playing the games with their kids um, and getting them involved in it. And it was, it was really nice to see intersection or that sort of bonding experience over a game the game is fully voice acted, and um, that's really awesome. What was the process um, like finding the right people for these characters? We weren't always certain that we would be able to um, have full voice acting, just in terms of resources and, and funding. Um, so the the script and the story and the characters were all written and fleshed out and drawn and animated before we before we brought voice actors on board. Um. Yeah, and and then through through um, support like from Film Victoria and and just through the development, we made the decision to to go with full voice acting and and believed that it would just um, it would add so much more so much more to to the to the story and to the characters, and it did. And and all of the voice actors bring so much life to the characters. Yeah, so it was. Certainly happy with that decision. Um, in terms of the process of finding voice actors, um, there there are a few Australian characters. Henry, for one, is an Australian is an Australian character, and so we just obviously we went local and and saw some local awesome talent uh, in Australia. And for various other characters, we used platforms like voice acting platforms and and found great people who who just worked really well and it was great that we already had you know really fleshed out 
visuals and and dialogue ready for them because it was just easy to 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 see who fit the part. Yeah. So you said that fully voice acted the game being fully voice acted was not the original intention. When when did you when in the development process did you decide that yes, this is what we want to do? Well, we always wanted it. <laughs> we I guess we decided that this is what we are going to do once we got the support probably from Film Victoria. Um and you know, made it just made it a possibility. Now, another thing about the game which sticks out very much um, in a really lovely way is the art style um, and the color and the lightning. It reminds you about what you would see in graphic novels at some point. Could you tell us a bit more about the art style? Yeah, it was. It sort of evolved over time with the artists. Um, they explored different styles. You know in looking at other games, looking at other references, there was a lot of sort of retro art. Um, I know the Jetsons was sort of a, a, a really sort of key reference point um, for some of the, the ideas within the art and the way it's expressed. The way some of these, um, you know, yeah, I'd say retro futuristic art style is probably the, the best description. Um, and the artist captured it really well. And, and then, and that's for the sort of the main gameplay. Um, and we always knew that it was going, there was going to be sort of bone skeleton animation. So we used Spine 2D um, to do all the character animations. It wasn't going to be frame by frame. So, you know, working within those constraints or within that structure, obviously the artists had to design the characters in a way that worked for that. And they did a, a great job. And then the the cutscene animation, which is um, which is it's you know video like pre rendered video, it's completely different, and that's sort of that comic that comic style um, motion graphic art. That's um, yeah, it's just something that the artists brought, and it was unique and very stylistic and. So what were some of the challenges that you and the team faced while making this game and making a point-and-click adventure game? One of the challenges is that there is quite a stigma attached to point-and-click adventure games. It's, you know, it's viewed as sort of an old, outdated genre. Um, there are some, there were just some, but, you know, there's some things to look at at what old games did wrong and basically don't repeat those mistakes. Things like, you know, pixel hunting and and illogical puzzles um, that just frustrate players. So, you know, that was that was a um, those were the main considerations around it being a point and click game. When making the puzzles you mentioned there, um, how did you design it to make sure it wasn't too difficult or too easy for the audience? Testing, yeah, a lot of testing and and feedback from from others that was really important. We're early on in the in the development, when we but we basically had developed a sort of a prototype, like one of the larger scenes in the game, and tried to get that up to a certain standard and so that we worked on that our vertical slice and we found you know we designed the puzzles and when you're designing it you know what to do obviously because you created it and and what seems 
easy can be quite difficult and what might you might think is difficult is actually quite straightforward so you know after taking that to to others whether it was um pax in 2018 um that was that was great or, or actually getting proper user testing done that was the key i mean we we saw what worked and what didn't work and just modified the puzzles based on that and got it and and got a good sense and gauged where we needed to sort of be at. So the game came out earlier this month. Uh, what's the reception been like so far? Um, pretty good. Yeah, I'm quite happy <laughs> with the way that that people, that various um, reviewers and, 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 you know, the feedback that we've received has been quite positive, which is great. Um, it's sort of, you know, any, yeah, yeah, quite proud of, of of what we have achieved, and and yeah, hopefully more people get to download and and play the game. And have you got any responses that you didn't expect? Not really, to be honest. Um, any criticisms that we that I've seen so far, um, I sort of was expecting them. I mean, some of them were based around sort of issues with the genre itself, and they acknowledged that. Um, that it was an issue with the mechanics or with with the genre, you know that's that's expected. Um, I think that it is a niche genre, and you you know you either like it or you don't. I think for whatever reasons, and you know the, any other things that have come up, maybe some little bugs or things like that. That was also maybe that particular bug wasn't expected, but you know. I was expecting something, so something to come up. So, yeah, pretty pretty happy with the responses. So we've been talking a bit about the game Henry Moss and the Wormhole Conspiracy, but let's talk a little bit more about you. What made you want to get into game development? Um, I've come from a film and, and media background um, and an IT background as well, which is sort of quite diverse and and I have always been you know really interested in stories in in storytelling and so this it sort of felt like a great way of of engaging people to bring those different aspects together to bring sort of my experience in IT and programming into it um, to bring elements of film and writing into it and and that's that's sort of I've always just yeah been passionate about about games and and about storytelling so it just seemed like a great fit and a great project to work on so how did you uh, go from that those different aspects to being with bad goat studios it sort of started as as an idea for this game I mean this is the first game that bad goat's done and so I'd say Bad Goat sort of came out of this game more than the other way around. So, yeah, it sort of started as an idea, like all these things begin and, and then getting in touch with um, some the artists probably was the first um, sort of collaboration work that happened really, really early on. And things just evolved from that and the game developed and then we have to, you know, put it into some sort of studio structure. So Bad Goat 
came out of that and and that's sort of how it's how it's developed yeah so you mentioned before some of the artists working on the game were based in Malaysia how do you go about working so far apart from each other on one project basically software and tools <laughs> is the is the key and being able to manage those tools well and check in regularly um, yeah, I mean, part of the challenge is obviously proximity and its time zone as well, and being able to—I mean, in some you know, in some cases, the overlap was very short, um, unless you know I was up in the middle of the night or something like that. Um, but yeah, we used what did we use? We used Slack a lot for our communication. How do you uh, sort out things like creative differences uh, on on the project? The design team, mainly Felix Stranger and myself, overlapped a lot in our in our roles. Um, but other than that, you know, the artists, they're the experts at, at the art. So, you know, they'll obviously there's direction that I bring and that Felix brings. But at the end of the day, you know, listening to to the artists and and allowing their creative output to shine that was the that was the key really just yeah just a- allowing everyone to do just to have have a lot of input into the creation of the game yeah a designer in in at least with this game there was there was a lot of overlapping roles like as i said before director producer designer but the design part of it really brings together the finds a way to make the mechanics of the game fit within with, with the with the story with the writing in a way that that works really well to achieve the goals that we're trying to achieve do you have any tips for not getting too burnt out or overwhelmed with work? I mean, it's easier said than done, but really making an effort to have a balanced lifestyle when it comes to work. And it's it's difficult. I mean, it depends on the game. It depends on the team. Um, planning. We, we used, um, what did we use at one stage? Before we used Trello. We used Asana, I think, uh, to to plan out, but mainly Trello to to sort of schedule out what was to happen and when it, you know where the milestones were, where the deadlines were, and it changed a lot as we sort of you know worked out how long things took and and what was required. Um, but yeah, we it's it's hard to know. It's definitely an art knowing what is realistic in terms of a timeline and if you if you set your expectations too high in too short a time i think burning out is inevitable um yeah we had the fortune of not being really bound by any specific deadline so much so and i didn't want to i mean towards the end or later in the in the in the project we definitely set more stricter deadlines so we could so we could you know get things done and ticked off but especially in that early phase and even sort of middle phase just allowing 
the project to flow without being too pressured, if you can, um, would be ideal and would hopefully avoid you getting getting overworked or burnt out. Did the development process change from being a bit more free flow to having a deadline, like toward the end? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of just in line with how we ramped up production from the very beginning when it was just, in, you know, the inception of the game. It was all very sideline project sort of ideas, um, you know, concepts, early writing, and yeah, just as as the game was evolving, and more more people got involved in the t- within the team and, and collaborated, it just sort of naturally naturally got more structured and and um, and needed to obviously um, to get more structured and and managed and. What advice would you give to new game designers or even people wanting to get into game designs? What sort of advice advice or hints and tips would you give them starting out? Besides learning as much as you can and building your skill set, I think meeting other people in the industry or other people who want to be in the industry and, and building um, a network, if you can, in your local area um, is is key to sort of staying motivated and and being engaged. Well, that's all about that we have time for tonight. But if you do want to find out more about the game, uh, Henry Moss and the Wormhole Conspiracy, you can head to mossadventure.com or if you search on Twitter and Facebook at Moss Adventure, you can check out everything going on there. Thanks for being part of the show today, Ezra. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Pixel Sift is produced by Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, myself, Mitch Lowe, Daniel Ang, Adam Christo, and Gianni Giovanni is our executive producer. And as always, we'll be putting links to everything we talked about in the show notes on our website, pixelsift.com.au. You can also come join us on Discord. We'd love to have you there. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord, where you can share your creative work, talk about topics and games and anything else. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And if you like what we do, can we ask a favor? If you And we need your help to share the show. So tell a friend, subscribe, your brothers and sisters, start someone's journey into podcasts because we know that getting started is tricky but once you're in you'll love it too much to leave next week on the 25th of february we'll be back with pixel sift plays think we're continuing with elden next week uh playing one of the many indie games but that's all for this week thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time know that the original Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade and every level in the game is a handmade physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of apple arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism this offer is for new subscribers only nine dollars 99 a month after free trial plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled